Greetings, greetings, once again, to all my enemies and all my friends. That's right, it's the Weekly Worldview. It's the show where we don't take calls. We don't tolerate sponsors, but we do help focus you on the events of the week through the lens of original thought. It's good to be back after a week off. A combination of technical difficulties and just a general lack of interest in what's going on and what's being passed off as news. Nothing made the cut last week. That's all. At least not. uh, But this past week... I meant two weeks ago because we're always a week in arrears here, which is difficult on a Sunday. You know what I mean. Anyway, this past week, I want to thank Donald Trump for accurately pegging Elon Musk as an accomplished artist. Uh And of course, Donald Trump should know being accomplished in that area himself, perhaps the most accomplished. So it's nice to see these two guys. By the way, I suspect... That Elon Musk has made a significant financial investment in Donald Trump's truth social media platform. Hence the ginned up uh, Twitter uh, uh, social media truth social battle that's going on and all of that. And so why do I suspect that? Because the, the savior of free speech and Western civilization, Elon Musk... Well, it turns out that money does matter when it comes to Twitter because, well, we'll just refer you back to the, to the artistry that was brought to the fore by Mr. Trump. And then we'll move on. By the way, Michael Bolton, the <laughs> Michael Bolton, who looks like a character from something my kids used to watch. What was the show the kids used to watch that had the John Bolton character with the mustache and the general, uh, j- uh, the general. General Monster Mash or something like that. We don't remember. Something from a kid's show that I've, I've just... Uh, perhaps if you remember, you can help me remember. General Milo Ma- Ma- Mash or Milo Mush. Oh, that's something the kids made up themselves. Our kids are geniuses. They, they could probably write and direct and create and produce. And they could do everything but distribute children's programming. That... <laughs> That would be easily as good as anything since uh, the vegetables, which was very good. That's pretty embarrassing. Veggie Tales, that I can't remember things off the top of my head anymore. It's uh, it's all age-related, as a matter of fact. But anyway, General Milo Mash. Milo Mass? I forget what Milo they... Mass. General Milo Mass, Michael Bolton, which is a... Michael Bolton is a caricature of a caricature that my children created on a napkin some years ago. And uh, is anyone really surprised that America plans coup d'etat in other countries? Is that, was that shocking? I, it was, it was funny to watch all of the conservative media have to feign their shock at the idea that America would ever plan a coup d'etat against anyone ever, because, you know, we worship democracy. So we would never, like, overthrow another. That would be undemocratic. But, I mean, is anyone surprised that we've done that and we do that and then we'll do that again? And I think maybe Bolton's just a bit past his prime with the loose lips and everything. I mean, if you're working in intelligence and uh, uh, relations, international relations diplomacy and all of that you you can't have the loose lips see that's why i could never work in anything like that because i just say things that should be kept quiet i do that all the time it's one of my weaknesses and so i could never hold down a gig in intelligence or espionage or anything no can't count on me for that and then uh well those of us who do not worship democracy We understand that good guys like America, I mean like America used to be, the good guys have a responsibility. We have an obligation to overthrow the bad guys, if at all possible, even to kill them, if it's possible. 
to do so without disrupting the world order to the point where it becomes unprofitable. If you can kill the bad guys or have them thrown out of government, that's a good thing. It's the best way for a revolution to occur in a third world country is with the help of a legitimate government that is good. And I know none is good save for God and all of that. I and but I'm I'm talking about on the on the chart of human existence as you chart from bad to good, even good is bad. But some bad is really bad, you know, like Venezuela bad. It would be good if America, who is bad, would kill or overthrow the dictators in Venezuela and give the people there a chance at freedom. All right. There, I don't want to put too fine a point on it. I'm fine with a coup d'etat as long as the coup d'etat-ers are good guys. That's all. And Michael Bolton eh, probably doesn't qualify anymore. I think he's a bit past his prime. All right. Now, let's move on where we start with a good religion file. Love to start with some good news where Buffer Insurance is an insurance company in South Lake, Texas, not far from the Houston metropolitan area. And they've offered to pay the medical bills for workers who want to have babies. To have babies, not kill babies, have babies. I know the default position in the media lately has been who wants to pay to kill babies. Well, here's a company that wants to pay for you to have a baby. That's if you're a woman, by the way. Buffer Insurance is the name of the company, and they say they will pay the medical costs associated with having a baby or adopting a baby. How about that? How about that? Take that, Amazon. Huh? Boom, pow. Take that, Tesla. Ooh, oomph. Does the Batman things. Pow, whack. Buffer Insurance up against pretty much the entire corporate world. And I find it kind of ironic that it's just, uh, okay, I hate to point out irony like this is why I can't be in intelligence probably because I just say things. That it, so insurance is one of the great all-time con games in the history of sales, insurance. So you've got a salesman whose job it is to capitalize on someone's fear of getting sick or getting into a car accident or getting hurt or of dying. The salesman takes advantage of that fear in order to get that person to buy security from all of the things that they're afraid of. That's insurance. And so, in fact, insurance turned out to be such a great racket that it was institutionalized and mandated by virtually every government on the planet over the past 100 years until eventually the institution threatened to bring down the whole house, which is where we are right now. You see, this idea that you could pay someone some amount of money to have security from the things in life that happen has created a mindset that invites socialism. And so the racket, the insurance racket, turns out to undermine liberty and freedom and reliance on God and, and courage, by the way, to just have courage in the face of life. And so the institution now threatens to bring down the house. And by the way, not just insurance. I don't want to blame insurance, but, but it's socialism in general. The idea that you can buy security or be secure. The idea that you can be secure in this world, in this physical body, is, a, is an illusion. But some people make a lot of money getting other people to pay them for it. Anyway, the, the idea that you can spend your way to peace of mind is a delusion. But we thank Buffer Insurance for paying for people to have or adopt babies. Hey, we've all got to be in business. Everybody's got to make a living. And if you're in the insurance business, I'm not necessarily even saying you're immoral or anything like that. I'm just pointing out what I see. That's all. You take it for what it's worth. We go to the personhood file, and we're going to get a bunch of these in today because this is big. This is one of the big issues of my entire life, your entire life. We've got a judge in Arizona 
who has blocked a state law. Listen to how the authors at Al Jazeera, Al Jazeera, I said, I got news from Al Jazeera. I got news here from Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera is is reporting on a judge in Arizona, which that's kind of creepy right there. But they say he blocked a state law that grants fertilized eggs, embryos, and fetuses the same rights as other persons. <laughs> Al Jazeera goes on, as in many states, the legality of abortion remains unclear. And let me just stop right there. That is better than where we were a few weeks ago. The fact that the future or the I guess the legality of abortion is unclear. That's better than where we were. Back to Al Jazeera, Arizona. In Arizona, the attorney general says that now a 1901 ban on all abortions is enforceable. Now, that's better than where, where we were a few weeks ago. Now, abortion providers have been allowed to respond to the attorney general and in court, but they've largely halted operations for fear of being punished under the law. So they've largely halted operations for fear of being punished under the law. One thing you'll notice about human beings and organizations who want to murder people on an industrial scale is they tend to want to do it according to the law. And they're also afraid of being punished. Why are they afraid? Because they know that they're murderers. Deep in their dark little hearts, they know what they're doing is evil and vicious and cruel and that they're murderers. And so they think if they do it according to the rules, that at the end of the day, when they face God, that they'll have the rules to refer to and say, but wait a minute, we did it according to the... It's, it's human nature. It's very, it's very weak and sad and pathetic, but there it is. So the abortionists in Arizona are generally a little bit scared, so they've largely halted operations. I don't know what that means. Largely? Okay. It's better than them just full-throated murdering every child they can get, I suppose. A judge, meanwhile, in Utah, has granted a request from Planned Parenthood to delay implementing that state's so-called trigger law, which was passed uh, prior to Roe being overturned, and it was set to ban most abortions in the state. Yeah, the Guttmacher Institute has labeled 26 states likely to ban most abortions. Uh, courts in Idaho, Utah, Kentucky, Michigan have blocked bans, these so-called trigger bans. Ten states are enforcing bans on most abortions. So did you notice the, the trend in the story is that it's pretty much now... Most, most abortions. So the only principle certain to have been eliminated from the debate after the overturn of Roe is the right to life. That's the only principle that's gone. It's off the table now. And you can parse the statistics any way you like, pro-lifers. But in the end, you lost. You lost, and then you declared victory, and you celebrated. You celebrated. You celebrated. Well, after the victory rallies end, right, and you wipe up the champagne, and you toss out what's left of the hors d'oeuvres, God's right to life, granted without exception, will be the standard. And what will you say to him and to his children? Are you going to point to the rules? And then are you going to explain to God how there was a 14.3% decrease in the rate of abortions in the immediate overturning of Roe versus Wade because abortion facilities were uncertain about their possible punishment? And so therefore you saved approximately 28.65 children? Is that what you're going to say to him, all of you? who spent the better part of my entire life lobbying and fundraising and earning a, a, a relatively comfortable income from making merchandise out of the lives of children and then abandoning their right to life 
on the altar of overturning Roe. What are you going to say when you actually face God? All right, it's the Weekly Worldview. We have to come back in because we just got a lot to get to. We don't have time for dilly and dallying around with over-reverbed guitar solos from the 70s. In in fact, we got to go back to the personhood file where U.S. News and World Report reports the following. The Supreme Court 1973 Roe v. Wade ruling, which had protected the right to abortion, was overturned. So do you get that little sleight of hand there? The way they reported it, they asserted that the right to an abortion had some factual existence before Roe. Roe v. Wade had protected the right to abortion. Just understand how the paradigm has shifted now. Uh, Anyway, U.S. News goes on. Now, attorneys are arguing about who, when... And where, which people can be killed. All right, I kind of added that, uh, that part. But attorneys are arguing about when abortions are legal. And when killing an innocent person should maybe be illegal. Because Dobson, the heart of the Dobson ruling, is to acknowledge that the right to kill innocent people exists at the state level. It exists and it's there to now be regulated. That's the heart of the Dobson ruling. Uh, Back to U.S. News where they report that a Georgia law bans some abortions once a detectable human heartbeat, in quotation marks, is present. I I wrote, they actually said a Georgia law bans most abortions. I X that out and put some because, I mean, it's up for debate, right? When you allow... When you allow some, isn't that more important than banning most? I just want to point that out, that if you allow some, that's more important than banning most. Anyway, this so-called detectable human heartbeat has been detected as early as six weeks. The Georgia law, though, I mean, it's not extreme. It includes exceptions for if the, if the baby's father is a criminal, we can kill it. As long as a police report was filed. I mean, you want to keep the paperwork in order. And, of course, the law, uh, which, which the, the U.S. News and World Report calls a personhood law, which is, that's not what this is, because it provides for abortions if the mother's life is at risk or if there's a serious medical condition that renders a fetus unviable or pretty much just like, I mean, just make the paperwork match, okay? If you can make the paperwork match... I mean, it's not like we want. It's not like. I mean, it's not like we want to say people have the right to life. That's radical. We just want to make sure that when innocent people are killed, it's done according to the rules. Because later on, someone might ask us about it. We're going to have to explain it. We want to be able to say that we kept the rules. Isn't that what this is about? Finally, we go deeper into the personhood file, statenews.org, where an Ohio bill is three sentences long. It would protect the constitutional rights of unborn human individuals, it says. It's sponsored by a Baptist pastor named Gary, who says with his own mouth that personhood exists from the moment of conception. He says a person is a unique individual deserving all the rights of personhood, says Gary, the Baptist minister, sponsoring the so-called personhood bill in Ohio. And he goes on to say that doesn't include exceptions for rape or incest. And then he goes on. This is a Baptist minister. He goes on to say, I would love to see that there would be no abortions. Which is where he should have stopped, Mr. Baptist minister. Just stop right there. But he went on to say no abortions with the exceptions of a time when there's a medical emergency. I certainly wouldn't want. Uh, I certainly would want to save the life of a mother, <laughs> says the Baptist minister. What that really means is, I want to keep the option open for myself and my mistress. 
is what the Baptist minister actually, or possibly for my daughter, if there's a really embarrassing situation. You know, to save the life of the mother. Anyway, I'll just read from HB 704 in Ohio, Section 9.99. The state of Ohio shall recognize the personhood and protect the constitutional rights of all unborn human individuals from the moment of conception, which is where it should have stopped right there. Just stop right there, and we can figure the rest out. We're all adults. But they don't stop right there. They go on to say, Nothing in this section shall be interpreted in any manner that would endanger the life of the mother. And why did they leave that in there? Because they certainly don't want to be so extreme as to say that everyone has the right to life. That would be radical. And so congratulations to the pro-life movement. Congratulations on your enormous victory in eliminating from the conversation the right to life. Meanwhile, we go to the pop culture file. Where there is a rock band, an alleged rock band, we put that in quotation marks, called Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine. Does anybody remember this band? Not even the older people in the audience remember this band. The younger people in the audience are too young to remember. The older people in the audience were too busy listening to actual music to have ever heard of this band. I didn't even know they were a band, like with instruments. I thought they just sampled things and screamed. But uh, anyway, they're giving their first concert in 11 years. They haven't done a show in 11 years. Now, that's mostly because they're awful. But they are set to appear in Wisconsin. Because apparently that's the only place on earth where there's a few uh, uh, older... uh, uh, I don't know who who listens to these uh, type of things. I don't want to insult people in Wisconsin. You know, I can't get it in my extremely attractive I'm sorry. audio engineer. She's not helping me at all with the Rage Against the Machine references because we're like, who, what? <laughs> anyway, uh, their new tour is the Public Service Announcement Tour is the name. Probably sponsored by PBS, HHS, CDC, FDA. Anyway, the, they, they do what many bands do now. They have a giant screen behind them putting interesting things up for the audience (laughs) because you know when you're trying to pull off a live performance what the audience really needs is to watch tv (laughs) anyway so they have the giant screen i always like what rush did with the giant screen they always had really stupid silly meaningless things on the screen so it was kind of an aside because you know they were actually interesting to watch and listen to But uh, Rage Against the Machine, the main core content of their concert is not them on the stage acting like they're playing instruments and lip syncing. It's on the screen behind them. And so they have a screen that reads, listen to this. Here's the message on the screen behind the band. Forced birth in a country with no universal health care and where the cost of giving birth is $4,000 to (laughs) $15,000. Okay, note to the producer, that's too many words. Um, And and don't give uh, statistical variants like $4,000 to $15,000. Everyone in the audience is wasted. They're not going to, okay, but we'll just go on. Here's another message from the screen of the band Rage Against the Machine. By the way, their name is an, an affront to authority. Rage Against the Machine. Who's the machine? It's the man. The man wants to keep you down. Rage against the machine. At least that's what they came off as back in the early 90s. If I remember correctly, and I must say I don't have any of their records. But anyway, uh, during uh, their performance, they had another uh, message on the screen. Forced birth in a country that is the only wealthy country in the world without any guaranteed paid parental leave on a national level. I mean, on a national level is what we want to make sure you understand. Then, up on the screen, forced birth in a country where black birth givers experience maternal mortality two to three times higher than that of white birth givers. Okay, whoever said rock and roll will never die? Okay. 
Well, here's the thing. If if Rage Against the Machine was rock and roll, it would certainly be dead. But uh, Rage Against the Machine was never rock and roll. Rock and roll was already dead. Right? By the time Rage Against the Machine came along, like mid-90s, I mean, grunge had already killed rock and roll, and I think grunge had already killed itself by then. Oddly enough. But Rage Against the Machine comes out against forced birth and talks about birth givers because... Rage against the machine, man! You know? The man, he wants to keep you down. Sponsored by FDA, CDC. HHS. Uh, meanwhile, we go from there into the justice file. Because we need some good news after that, right? The fact that Rage Against the Machine has gotten the band back together is going on tour. That's kind of depressing. So, uh, a little pick-me-up here. Now, the story starts out sad, so don't hold me responsible for that. That's just the way life is. Last week, Lindy Jones pleaded guilty to killing 18-year-old Willie Fields... Uh, Lindy killed Willie back in August 2019. It was in South Carolina. Jones appeared in court facing the judge at sentencing while the victim's family stood in the first row. The victim's mother addressed the court with sobs crying and weeping, telling the judge about her lost, the loss of her son in tears. The mother of the victim sobbed in tears. And suddenly the victim's father lunged at the murderer and punched him in the back of the head, dragged him to the ground and attempted to beat him to death on the courtroom floor. Uh, after which the father was restrained by courtroom personnel. And, of course, this was out of order. The father should have been allowed to beat the murderer to death in a more appropriate location after the sentencing. It's the Weekly Worldview, and I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Um, just want to, let's see, do I want to go back? You no. Know, you know, I just want to say that this whole, this whole thin blue line American flag thing is getting a bit out of hand. I'm, I, I'm, I mean, I, we pulled up behind a, a, an SUV, me and the family in the, in the car, and there was uh Anyway, there's all these American flags with a thin line, and now there's a red one, there's a yellow one, there's a green one, and I'm like, what is that? What is this all about? <laughs> and so my kids are trying to explain to me which thin line means what, and I'm, I'm all confused. I'm, I'm starting to wonder, is this the Republicans' version of, of the, the leftist idea of gender? I mean, it just keeps going with like a never, ever expanding inclusive list of, I mean, not genders in our case, we're, we're not freaks, but I mean, there's like a new colored line every week for somebody else on their American flag. I mean, it used to be the thin blue line, I'm an American, you know, emphasis on law enforcement, all right. Now you've got the, the green, I got the green, green line, I'm a proud American, emphasis on first responders. I've got a red one. Red, I'm a proud American. Emphasis on firemen. I mean, fire persons. I mean, firefighters. That's it. We'll go with firefighter. Red is for a great American. Emphasis on firefighters. And then you got like a yellow. There's a pink. Then there's a gold stripe. I haven't seen a pink when I made that one up. I wanted to see if you people were paying attention. But I mean, what's how far do we go? Plaid. I've got plaid. Plaid because I'm a great American. Emphasis on public library custodians because, you know, they're great Americans, too. Uh, so it's, anyway, um, 
everybody's got a signal their their whatever it's like just keep it to yourself okay if i get to know you then maybe i want to know things about you like that but i don't need that in traffic i could care less <laughs> just use your turn signal that's all <laughs> all right a uh, little more good news before we get back to the decline and fall of western civilization communist new york mayor eric adams elected as a conservative because he appeared conservative when he stood next to the naked Marxists who had been doing bong loads in the governor's mansion there for several years earlier. I forget his name. Anyway, the communist New York City mayor, Eric Adams, says, New York public schools are hemorrhaging 30,000 students a year. That's right. New York City schools, government schools, are losing 30,000 a year. He says we're hemorrhaging students. A communist mayor, Eric Adams, goes on to say, we're in a dangerous place. We're in a dangerous place, he says about the government schools in New York. Oddly enough, the students who've been hemorrhaged out are in a less dangerous place. What's a less dangerous place than a New York City public school? Almost anywhere, except a New York City subway. Almost anywhere. And you know, this really it's interesting how life works. It's interesting how God made... The universe, with this self-correcting mechanism that no matter how smart you think you are, you're not smart enough to outthink God. So, and that goes for me, number one, by the way, because I realize this all the time. It's interesting that, so in the most tyrannical COVID jurisdictions, where conservatives have legitimately raised the greatest beef against the tyrants, the most kids are being extricated from the belly of the beast. Isn't that interesting? California, New York, all the big cities, parents are done. They're taking their kids out of the government schools. In the states where the freakout was less extreme... The parents are less aware of what's actually going on, and they're going to continue sending their kids off to the government schools to be intellectually and spiritually sodomized by the government. Isn't it interesting how life works? The tyrants go for the jugular during COVID, and their critical race theory and their gender fluidity and all the freakish stuff just gets vomited out on the front page for everyone to see. Anyway, thank God for God that he is, that he is as smart as he is. Wow. Because without him, folks, we're toast, I'm telling you. In fact, let's get to the justice system, the justice file. We're out in Cook County near Chicago. The sheriff and the chief judge there, a chief judge there, are being sued by the family of a man who was murdered by carjackers who was under electronic monitoring instead of being in jail awaiting trial. The judge let him out on an electronic, mon electronic monitor where he murdered this guy. And so the guy's family has hired lawyers. They're going to sue the judge and the sheriff. And he's the second one uh, in the month of July who was killed by people who were allegedly being tracked with their ankle monitors. These people are awaiting trial for felony criminal offenses. They should not be on the street. And so the judge and the sheriff are being sued. Dominico Johnson, who carjacked and murdered Shana... I can't pronounce this. Dominico Johnson, who, who carjacked and murdered Shanate Guy... Uh, was the 26th person accused of killing or trying to kill someone in Chicago last year while on felony bail. 26. Okay. Uh, uh, so they're going to sue the judge and those who enforce the judge's unjust orders. Well, I mean, it's a start. It's something, right? These Someone has to hold these judges accountable, and it looks like someone's going to try to do that in civil court. So let's go now deeper into the justice file where the Daily Mail reports that NASCAR star Bobby East was filling up his vehicle with gas in a Westminster, California gas station last Wednesday when he was stabbed to death in the parking lot. 
by a, just a homeless maniac. Apparently for no reason other than the maniac might have wanted to rob him. Police later shot and killed the killer, Trent William Millsap, a 27-year-old maniac with tattoos on his face, six foot five, just a monster from the pit of hell. A monster from the pit of hell being allowed to roam the streets freely on parole with an outstanding warrant with tattoos on his face, murder in his heart. And uh, the Daily Mail calls him a homeless man on parole. Uh, he's a transient, a transient, you see. He's a bum. He's a vagrant. He shouldn't be on the street. By the way, the tatted up freak maniac killer also accused of stabbing another man at the same gas station. Trying to rob people, stabbing them. Officials said that the tattooed maniac was considered armed and dangerous. He had an outstanding parole warrant. They were looking for him. Because they knew about him. Because they had let him out. Anyway, whoever let this animal out on parole should be, forget, uh, uh, civilly liable. Forget suing him civilly. They should be held criminally responsible. But you know what? I'm willing to start with civil if someone will at least establish a precedent that these... These accomplices to murder in the justice system should be held responsible, then I'm all for it. Now, speaking of murder, we go deeper into the justice file where a tech executive from the Bay Area is facing life in prison after being arrested for the 1992 murder of his roommate's girlfriend. That's right, John Woodward murdered Lori Houts. Not allegedly, none of that. We know he did it. How do we know he did it? Well, they knew he did it from the beginning. Forensic evidence from the very beginning linked this killer to the murder of Lori Houts from the very beginning. This guy was tried twice. But because of very legalistic evidentiary rules, the case was dismissed. And folks, this was before O.J. Simpson. You know, this really, O.J. Simpson was 1995, was the trial. So O.J. Simpson was really just the culmination of the fact that the justice system is allowing murderers to kill people and get away with it. O.J. was like COVID. It just kind of vomited it right out there in your lap. You couldn't deny it anymore. Everybody had a feeling it was going on, but after O.J., you knew what was going on. So advances in forensic profiling... <clears throat> Uh, led to the charging of one John Woodward with the murder that he committed in 1992. And he was arrested while sitting atop a tech company as a CEO. Why did he kill Lori Houts? Well, this was back in his college days, and he was a homosexual, jealous of the girl he killed because he had developed a romantic interest in his male roommate. That was her boyfriend. So he killed her to get it as, to get at her boyfriend, a homo pervert, just an, a homo enraged that he couldn't get his roommate to break up with his girlfriend. Wow. And this is 30 years ago, folks. We're 30 years hence. But it, it all comes out, right? So why would anyone have the idea that they could kill someone and get away with it and become a millionaire? Why would anyone have that idea? Uh, well, because of this guy. He got away with it for 30 years. Became a millionaire. Sits atop a, a tech company. ReadyTech's the name of the company, by the way. It's an online training facilitator. A facilitator, I'm sorry. <clears throat> anyway... Folks, we live in an age where the guy next door in the next cubicle could literally be out for blood. Could literally be covered with innocent blood. The guy you go interview who you have to impress to get that job, covered with innocent blood. Just shocking. Uh, all right, and if that's not shocking enough, let's go to the God Hates Cowards file where the Daily Mail reports that cowardly Uvalde, Texas policeman restrained a cop whose daughter was one of the 
children slaughtered at Uvalde in the massacre. Surveillance footage shows two officers holding Sheriff's Deputy Felix Rubio back. Why were they holding him back? His daughter was in there and he wanted to go and he had a gun. And they held him back as he wiped tears from his eyes on, the, on camera. While the killer went on a rampage. Just down the hall from the father. Can you believe it? You're in the hallway with a gun. I, I can't even comprehend it. I, I can't believe he didn't shoot the cops who were holding him back. I, I, I guess I can believe it, but I don't know that I would have been able to restrain myself. I might have shot them and then gone and shot him. Because at some point, as a father, with your child, your own life doesn't matter anymore. And the lives of other people don't matter anything close to your child. Anyway, uh, but they managed to restrain this guy. I can't comprehend it myself. Anyway, the leaked footage shows cops stalled in the hallway for 77 and a half minutes, <clears throat> checking their phones after running away from gunfire. It's all there on camera. Really shocking, disturbing. Felix Rubio's daughter, Alexandria Aaliyah Rubio, was 10 years old. She went by Lexi. She was murdered while he was in the hallway with a gun. So this is the reason for the verse in Revelation 21.7, where God's in, God in that verse, by the way, he includes cowardice in a list of the worst sinners and criminals. Cowards are, are listed with the worst sinners and criminals. And it, they're listed in Revelation before God sends them all straight to hell to burn forever. And by the way, Revelation 21.7 is presented as a prophetic historical narrative, which only God can do that, by the way. Only God can give a historical narrative before it occurs. How does he do that? Why does he do that? Is it magical? If you want to find out, uh, watch or listen to our Bible study, our weekly Bible study here at the Weekly Worldview, which we're still working on trying to figure out how to live stream it every time and how to do the audio. And it's all new, but uh, it's a lot of good content. Check it out. I'm your host, Doug McBurney. I don't know if I can help you with that, but I can refer you back to the Bible study where I can introduce you to someone else who might be able to help you with that. Uh, meanwhile, monkeypox devastates the East Village, the Castro, West Hollywood, Hillcrest, North Alstead. Threatens to break out across the country as the piles of the festering infected at the Pride Month festivities peel themselves off the floor. By the way, the pride, does that go on longer every year? Is that like every time they introduce a new gender, do they add another week to Pride Month? What's going on with that? With the monkeypox and the variants. I mean, the, the public health officials in the media are cranking up the fear machine. COVID variants, variants, cases. We've got variants. We've got cases. We need testing. Now we got monkeypox. Everybody hide. And don't worry, we'll have someone mail your ballots in October. We'll take them all. <clears throat> so could it work again? Is it possible? Likely, yes, it could. I mean, one thing we learned over the past two years is that most people are cowardly, hysterical, self-absorbed, pathetic, weak. The vast majority. The vast majority. All right. And uh, I, I, I guess we should have known all along. But, I, you know, I think you end up li living in a world where you want to believe the best about, about your fellow man. But I guess we should pay attention to what goes on in traffic. That's real. That's what's real.
Anyway, with the all right, so uh, let's get, let's now go to the politics file where we're going to address a story we addressed a couple of weeks ago. We were the first national international news outlet, or I guess we don't call ourselves a news outlet. We are a uh, it's an outlet for commentary of some significant import. We're the first one to comment on the ten-year-old rape victim, Ohio, Indiana story. That whole thing, right? So I suspected the story was completely made up out of whole cloth from the very beginning, and that that could be a possibility, but uh, now we have... Well, you know, when the reporter in the original story referred to the child abuse doctor, I had my suspicions. Just because I was not familiar with that specialty. Still not, but... uh, So I had my suspicions. But now we have the mother... Of a 10-year-old rape victim in Ohio uh, did an interview on Telemundo because this uh, Garcon Fuentes has been fingered as the rapist. And the mother of the 10-year-old girl goes on Telemundo and says they're lying about Garcon. So she's defending the man who raped and allegedly impregnated her child, which is bizarre. Uh, Fuentes has allegedly confessed to raping the Ohio minor who reportedly became pregnant. Emphasis on allegedly and reportedly. Perhaps the story was made up out of whole cloth from fragments of true stories about how hard is it in the heartland of America to find someone systematically raping a 10-year-old girl? It's not that hard, actually. There's stories like that circulating all the time. And so once the story came out, people started looking into the facts. And was there actually an abortion? Who knows? Who knows if the the story was uh, made up? Who knows what's true now? What's not? Was there an abortion? Well, God knows. But I can tell you abortionists don't keep a really solid paper trail in cases like this. And the HIPAA laws, by the way, the HIPAA laws were designed to provide a layer of obscurity for cases just like this. So that the medical community and the legal community and the pro-abort community could cover up things just like this. But God knows. God knows. I don't know. God knows and he will judge rightly. How about that? And so from there, we go to Joe Biden's drag queen at the Energy Department to take us even deeper into the decline and fall file where uh, Joe Biden's appointed drag queen, who in the past has written defending underaged gay prostitution, is now earning a salary in the top 1% of all government employees. And let me tell you, folks, the top 1% of government employees, that's pretty good. Uh, and the transgender, no, no, not a tranny, I'm sorry, former drag queen, sometimes I mix those up, appointed by Joe Biden to uh, a secretariat there at the Department of Energy. Who knows what what the job is? It's not an actual job. Uh, but the, the drag queen will enjoy a top-secret clearance over there at the Department of Energy where they deal with nuclear things, by the way, just, you know. Um, anyway, this is after, uh, former drag queen appointee Samuel Brunton's extensive history of being a drag queen and advocate for prostitution, gay prostitution, even if they're under 18 and other LGBTQ plus activities is well on display. So we've got, uh, so we've got a, an advocate of criminal behavior appointed to one of the highest offices in the government. So the question becomes, what is the church to do when the government has become criminally insane? What is the church to do? I mean, what did the church do at the end of the Roman Empire when Rome was actually ruled by criminally insane maniacs? What did the church do? Oh, that's right. They allowed civilization to fall into a thousand years of darkness. And so the question then becomes, 
How can we avoid that fate? And so for an answer to that, I refer you not to next week's weekly worldview, but to the, to the, the weekly Bible study that we're putting up. So and, and now to the Justice File, where George Foreman, uh, boxing, uh, 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 boxing great George Foreman, is about to face a lawsuit from two women accusing him of some sort of abuse back in the 1970s. Yeah, George Foreman denies the allegations. He says this is an extortion attempt. He points to documented evidence that since January, these women have been asking him to pay them $12.5 million each. And since he hasn't paid them, now they're going to sue him. <laughs> anyway, Deuteronomy 22:23 establishes the principle that there must be a contemporaneous report of an assault. Right? There must be. And for so many of these so-called Me Too allegations over the past few years, there was not. Because whatever had occurred, and I don't know in all cases, I'm not God, I don't know. But whatever occurred, the supposed victims typically went along with whatever the so-called abuse was. I mean, that's not right, but it's not rape. If you keep going along to advance your career with whatever it is, it's not right, but it's not rape. And the lesson should be that in such a case, both parties should suffer. And actually, that's pretty much what Me Too came to. A good deal of suffering by everyone with no godly repentance, with no revival, with no return to godly principles. So just the suffering. Thank you, Me Too, there. And now George Foreman's going to get some. Meanwhile, from the left-wing conservative file, a new dating app has been created by former Trump White House staffers and tech billionaire, open homosexual, deviant pervert Peter Thiel. Uh, the co-founders, one was a personal aide to Donald Trump. The other was an appointee at the Department of HHS. I'm sorry, Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD. I got my, I got my nomenclature wrong there. The dating, uh, the dating app... The conservative dating app will be called The Right Stuff. <laughs> Peter Thiel, co-founder of PayPal, an open homosexual deviant pervert, is said to be funding it. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jordan, one of the founders. Oh, no, not one of the founders. Jordan is an intern at a pro-family industry nonprofit, and he says, I know a lot of young conservatives who are feeling very frustrated using dating apps. Because they force you to have, like, pronouns or, like, BLM tags or, you know, like, are you vaccinated or, like, unvaccinated. So I think there will definitely be a big demand for this conservative dating app. <laughs> Unquote. Now, others are skeptical. They're worried whether enough conservative women will sign up for the app. At which point Peter Thiel said, women? Excuse me? <laughs> Excuse me? Women, huh? This is a dating app. Dating apps aren't for girls, for crying out loud. Where have you been? Right now, the app is only c catering to heterosexuals. What do you mean right now? Well, they say they look at expanding down the road. What's that mean? Well, emphasis on down. That's what that means. That's what that I mean. Peter Thiel's involved, for crying out loud. All right, now, meanwhile, we go back to the widespread panic file where uh, HHS secretary says there's a strong chance. Well, let's just let's just get to it here. The eight, the Health and Human Services Secretary, Javier Becerra, has warned that there is a strong chance the country will see a resurgence of the pandemic. Americans should be worried. Very, very worried. What I will tell you is that come this fall and winter, specifically October and November, mm, everyone who's an expert says there's a strong chance we see a resurgence of the virus. We have variants. We have new variants. We got to be ready. <laughs> Please get ready. I can help you get ready. Let me help you get ready. 
but but be scared. Unquote. That's Javier Becerra. Was that actual tape? I think that was actual tape. We don't we don't run a lot of actual tape here. Well, then, so this is I got this off Breitbart, which this is it's so sad. The whole rest of this article goes on to attack Joe Biden for promising that he would shut down the virus. And this is just a sad political opportunistic attack on Biden by Breitbart instead of doing what we, what needs to be done. We need to lament the hysteria waiting in the wings for someone in the government or the media to just hit the autopilot button on the hysteria and drive us further over the cliff toward that abyss, toward that thousand years of darkness that I just mentioned. But Breitbart is more interested in clickbait than saving us from a thousand years of darkness. The, the reporters at Breitbart will go right over the cliff into the abyss as they're depositing their ad money. Unbelievable. Attack Joe Biden for not shutting down the virus. The guy didn't even know what he was talking about. And by the way, all of you at Breitbart, you went along with this crap. The two weeks to, I remember, you went along with the two weeks. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to forget that. Nobody should be allowed to forget that. Uh, uh, go back to the widespread panic file where uh, Dr. Fauci declared last Tuesday that, uh, quote, everybody wants to put this pandemic behind us. Ah, ah, but listen, and everybody wants to feel and hope that it doesn't exist. Ah, right? Ah, but listen, it does. Eh, it does. Unquote. That's, <laughs> that's Anthony Fauci. Uh, and, and alongside him, uh, CDC chief hysteric Rochelle Walensky <laughs> is on TV all this past week nagging older Americans to get their second booster shots right away. Get your second booster right away. Can I open my eyes any further? I can't. I want to tell you, look into my eyes. I can't help but look into your eyes, Rochelle. Your eyes are the size of dinner plates. What are you on for crying out loud? Get my booster right away. All right. Rochelle Walensky. Huh? And, and okay. And so are we going to do this again? I think we might do this again. As embarrassing as it is. And as much as we all want to think the best of our fellow human beings as we stare into the tunnel and we're looking for that that ray of light the the, the thinking people among us simply have to have to consider seriously whether or not that's a freight train i'm sorry uh, 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 meanwhile, um, <clears throat> let's close in the free market file. We're back in 2006. Solar power subsidies started out in California primarily and then spread like wildfire across the country as virtual signaling Americans look to become green. Well, now all of those, all of those solar panels on top of all those suburban cracker box houses... They're all reaching the end of their 25 to 30 year life cycle and they're winding up in landfills where they're leaking heavy metals, lead, selenium and cadmium into the groundwater. It turns out putting a giant poison panel on top of your house might not be as green as you thought because they were supposed to be recycled, but they're ending up in landfills. Why? Well, one solar industry expert he laments the fact that less than 10% of panels are probably being recycled properly. They're being disposed of improperly. And why is it? He says, well, the industry is supposed to be green, but in reality, it's all about the money. <laughs> it's all about the money. Well, listen, you communist moron. Being all about the money is why the market is such an effective vehicle for honest trade. Money is an unbiased judge of value. So money in and of itself is not immoral. In fact, money facilitates morality. Outside of vice, the more about the money it is, the more moral the market tends to be. 
So why not allow the market to determine the energy supply? How about that? The free market with all of its fall with all of its flaws remains the the best vehicle for determining what's the best. And you know what? The free market reminds the heathen that there's a god, and so they hate it. They hate it, and they're willing to scare people, arrest people, and eventually even kill people to stop the free market because it reminds them of truth, absolute truth. It reminds them of God, and they hate it. And so we like the free market because the free market is a gift of God. All right. Thank you. That's it for the Weekly Worldview. I want to... I want to thank my friends at Real Science Radio, my other brother, Daryl, who's still listening, making it all happen here in the Weekly Worldview studio. Should the Lord tarry, we will return next week. And until then, may the grace of God go with you. And may the peace of Jesus Christ be upon you.